0: Download the Move app and log in with your Mamma Mia login. Head to move.mamma mia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to the Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. This week, former child star Corey Feldman promised to drop a bombshell. He was going to announce the name of a man he claims sexually abused his friend and fellow child star Corey Haim when they were teenagers, along with the men who abused him.
1: But with the one main name that everybody is waiting to hear, it is a name that everybody on the planet knows
0: the stage was set, the world waited, only for technical failures to overshadow the big reveal, which then turned out not to be as big a reveal as was promised. Today, we're going to take you back to the 80s, where all of this started, and find out why no one seems to take Corey Feldman's very serious accusations seriously at all. Just a heads up, today's episode of The Quickie does discuss child sexual assault. If this is an issue for you, maybe skip today's episode, and if you are struggling and you need to speak to someone about it, make sure you give the guys at Lifeline a call, 13 11 14. If you were a teenager in the 1980s, there were two faces guaranteed to be torn out of Smash Hits magazine and blue tacked to the wall. Their names were both Corey, but they were two very different characters. Corey Haim was the golden boy. Blonde hair, big smile and baby blue eyes. In his first movie, he starred alongside Charlie Sheen and Winona Ryder in a flick called Lucas in 1983. And in the years that followed, he would be in movies with some of the biggest names in the industry, like Liza Minnelli, Sally Field and others.
1: I got extremely close to Robert Downey and Sarah Jessica Parker. I'll never forget that Robert was the first guy to ever show me how to put gel into my hair.
0: Feldman was the dark soul, black hair, chocolate brown eyes and a cooler than you attitude. He scored roles in major films including Friday the 13th, Gremlins, The Goonies and Stand By Me. But it wouldn't be until they were both 14 that they would come together on the same project, cast in the 1986 now cult classic Californian vampire flick Lost Boys. It was after that movie hit theatres that their lives changed forever.
1: After Lost Boys, that's when I hit and that's when he hit and that's when we hit together. So it was awesome. They were screaming, pressed up against this chain link fence, like just like climbing on top of each other, screaming our names, and I was like, that's for you. And he's like, no, that's for you, no, that's for you. No, they keep saying "Corey." no, that's for you, no, that's for you. And that was when we finally looked at each other and said, I think we got something here
0: these guys were every teenage girl's fantasy. It would be like if high school musical Zac Efron was besties with Nick Jonas or Brad Pitt and George Clooney were mates from when they were kids. They would go on to star in several more movies together, including 1987's License to Drive and 1988's Dream a Little Dream. But Dino, I don't know.
1: Less to live in fear is not to live at all.
0: The Corey's arrived in Hollywood during a time when child stars were all the rage. Alyssa Milano, Drew Barrymore, River Phoenix, Sean Austin, they all starred in popular TV shows like Who's the Boss and massive box office movies like E.T. and Stand By Me. These kids were hot property and were treated as such. Feldman and Haim were given the job as hosts of a popular underage nightclub called the Soda Pop Club. It was a disco for industry kids where they could dance and drink as much free soda as they liked. For three years, 1986 to 1989, the club hosted the hottest under-16s in Hollywood. For those three years, there were whispers of children being given drugs and alcohol, of teens being lured into sexual acts with adults, those whispers becoming shouts when Corey Feldman wrote in his 2013 biography, Choreography, that he was one of a series of boys who were groomed within the club's walls. Came admitting to a journalist years after that by the end of that time, a lot of those kids, including himself and Feldman, were hooked on drugs.
1: I was like, you know, I'm 15 when I smoked my first joint, you know, 16 and a half when I uh, tried cocaine.
0: The pair would go from being the hottest actors on the planet to not being able to hold down a job. Feldman filed for emancipation from his parents, who he accused of stealing money he'd earned. He also struggled with drug addiction. By 1990, Haim admitted he was using speed and prescription drugs like tranquilizers, Valium, Vicodin, and Soma. After getting clean, he starred alongside Feldman again in the TV reality show The Two Corys. In '95, they'd appear in their last movie together, Dream a Little Dream 2. Haim would then spend time in various rehab programs before he died at his LA home in March 2010 from pneumonia and an enlarged heart. He was only 38. From that point on, Feldman promised he would tell the world about what had happened to them as teens in Hollywood, that he would name names. This is him speaking with US talk show host, Wendy Williams.
1: We had both been molested as children. He was raped physically. I was raped emotionally and- You were never raped physically? I was not, I was molested, so you can call it what you want. So you're talking in this documentary? Yes. So you're gonna have to amp up security even more. That's right. Because on Monday night at 11 o'clock Eastern time, it's going down. It's going down live all over the world, global live broadcast. Nobody has ever done anything like this before. And the big deal is that I am saying every name that basically affected the two of our lives. And we also have other victims talking about their experiences. But with the one main name that everybody is waiting to hear, like Dr. Oz said, it was startling to hear it out loud. It is a name that everybody on the planet knows.
0: But when the premiere of that movie happened this week, all of those people who paid money to stream it online found the site had crashed, the in-studio showing also delayed.
1: Right now there's stories on the internet saying how I scammed audiences because we didn't really stream the movie. This is what they want. This is what they want. They want to make it look like it was a whole big scam.
0: When it was finally shown, the people watching it found it contained the names of people that Feldman had already claimed publicly in the past, including actor Charlie Sheen, who worked with Corey Haim on the movie Lucas, where Feldman claims he raped the then 13-year-old between two trailers in broad daylight. Sheen refuted those claims both back when it was first made and again now. Corey Haim's mum has also said she backs Sheen. Kevin Dixon is an Aussie expat entertainment reporter now based in LA. Kevin, you've come across Corey Feldman a couple of times during your career. What's he actually like?
2: I don't want to talk poorly about him, but he's kind of a disaster. I've met him at like just house parties that weren't really work events and I didn't identify as press and still he would chew your ear off. He's very erratic. He's very moody. He's kind of tricky to talk to like he'll be friendly for quite some time and then all of a sudden you'll say something completely innocently and it'll trigger him and he'll just be really angry at you and then storm off it seems to be the way he goes at least in my experience he
0: seems to be a bit of an eccentric I know in reading about people who've been to his home for example that he he's very much still living back in the 80s when his career was at its peak
2: that's not uncommon when I worked at the tabloids here, we would do at-home photo shoots a lot of the time with a lot of former child stars because they're still eager for attention and they're pretty easy to book. And, yeah, it's always like walking into a museum of yourself with these people.
0: Why do you think, is it because of that eccentricness and because of sort of things that have he's done and said over the years, is that why people don't seem to be taking these accusations seriously?
2: I don't even know if it's that simple because people seem to pick and choose which allegations they subscribe to and which cancels they sign up for. And it's horrible to say, but pedophilia is a tough one. Like Leaving Neverland seems to have done nothing to address that situation. And I found that a very compelling documentary. It was pretty heartbreaking to watch. And you know because Wade Robson changed his story, which is common with a lot of survivors, it was discounted and disregarded, I feel. And so Corey, no matter what Corey does... At this point, he's also speaking for Corey Haim, who's no longer with us, and Corey Haim's mother is not speaking. So that also raises kind of a weird situation where do you believe someone who's talking about someone who's passed on or do you believe them because they were around at the time? It's a really tricky situation.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the responses that we've heard. I mean, obviously, Corey Haim's mother has often in the past – backed Charlie Sheen's version of events. has Is that still the case now? And has Charlie Sheen said anything?
2: He categorically denied it. I can't remember the exact words that he used, but he basically said it was shameful and that he did not do it. He strongly denies it. I also have met him quite a few times. At this point in his life, I don't know that he would deny it. He's kind of an open book and he'll be better suited to him if he were to just come out and say, I did a terrible thing when I was on a ton of drugs, but he's not doing that. And he's done that about so many other terrible things. I'm not saying he didn't do it. I have no idea, but he seems to be pretty legit at the moment, as far as, you know, someone who's been famous for a long time can still be honest or have a good grip on reality.
0: What's the industry response been to this? In Hollywood, Are people were people worried about what was going to be said in this documentary? Have they just kind of discarded it now?
2: I think time will tell, actually. I don't think either of those things happened. I don't think that anybody was terribly alarmed because he's been trying to peddle this story, but he doesn't kind of, I don't want to criticize him, but the wrong way is to go on Howard Sturt. That is not going to help you in terms of credibility. You would go to a reliable news outlet and you would do a really good interview with a lot of proof, and he hasn't really done that. And I don't know who convinced him to do the movie. But also the way that it premiered and the way that it felt like a bit of a money grab and then he didn't actually name anybody further than he's already named in the past. It just felt like a bit of a misfire for him, which is horrible if it's true. And if he's tortured by this and he does want a voice, then I think time will avenge him. If he's telling the truth, it will come around for him. Um, I just don't know when or how that will be.
0: Do you think this has been pretty damaging for his cause though?
2: I think that we're hopefully living in a time where people are more forgiving of people's missteps towards honesty. And also, it's not like he's getting hired for a ton of stuff that this would either help or hurt him for. So that's going to be another one of those time we'll tell things. And it's a tricky time. I think that if people are open to his discussion, then he will continue to get whatever work he can get. I think that with pedophilia accusations in particular, there are so many that are floating around that you hear about day in, day out for years working in a tabloid because people will always want to sell you a story and so hard to get traction with a story, even with good proof.
0: Is this another Weinstein issue? Like, In the industry, like you said, does everyone kind of know this stuff is happening but no one is saying anything because there is that burden of proof and especially if it happened a long time ago, it's very difficult to prove. Is this another case of the industry knows it's happening and is just turning a blind eye?
2: Quite possibly. I was very gripped by Teacher's Pet, the Australian podcast. That did an amazing thing, even though when I was in school, everyone knew that stuff was happening. But now, 40 years later, it's being prosecuted. So there's always time and there's always hope. But there are people still working who have had pretty credible allegations brought against them time and time again, and they go away. And each time I think, finally, this person's going to come to justice, and they do not. So I don't know the answer. I've tried to break these stories over the years with very little success, and I've really believed in them, and I've gotten nowhere.
0: Do you think talking about it, even if it doesn't lead to a prosecution will change anything for child actors in the future. I know Feldman has been working with the Screen Actors Guild to try and make sure that there are measures in place for children who work on movie sets. But does does talking about it like this and putting a spotlight on it like this help child actors who are in the business now?
2: I would like to hope so. I would like to think that if if someone is young and they know that something is inappropriate, they'll have the tools to speak up before something happens to them. And with public awareness and public discussion, that always helps because children are exposed to the news and children will see this and and, and their parents will hopefully be able to equip them. Because if I had a kid, I would never let them act. Oh my God, I would never let them anywhere near an acting set. There's too much uncontrolled environment. There's too much danger. There's not enough security and safety around someone at all times on a set ever.
0: There is no correct way to be a victim. Corey Feldman's experiences while working in Hollywood as a young person have obviously affected him deeply. And we can only take his word that the things he says are true. Some say we didn't hear any new information in this documentary, but that also tells us that he's been presenting this same unchanged story for years. Would we say he was any more credible if he started to throw in new names now? He has said on many occasions that he's tried to take these accusations to police, only to be told it's too late.
1: The statute of limitations in the state of California, which protects people, it's not that way in New York, it's that way only where the movie industry is, conveniently enough, in California. That's the seriousness of this.
0: Or back in the 1990s, when they were focused more on Michael Jackson at the time, it was his relationship with the singer that was more important to authorities. He says he was never molested by him. As we've seen with the Harvey Weinstein case though, each person's way of dealing with trauma can be different. Like Mimi Haley said, after hearing Weinstein had been sentenced to 23 years behind bars for sexually assaulting her, she said in her statement, I showed up not as the perfect victim, but as a human being. Maybe Corey Feldman is another imperfect victim dealing with not only his pain, but the pain of his best friend too. That's all for The Quickie today. If there's a story you'd like us to look into in more detail, send us an email, thequickie at